the battle of living under the law as opposed to living with it? We'll talk about that next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Saved by grace, yet we still have a propensity to judge ourselves in our relationship with Christ based upon how we respond and act according to the law. Doesn't quite sound right, does it? Hi and welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Romans chapter 7 is where we find ourselves today as we continue our series simply entitled Life of the Righteous. And that life includes living in grace rather than the battle of living under the law. For the details, Pastor Phil Howard now with today's program. The law of God brings out in the sinner another law, the law of sin. And the two of them in the room together, you will be thrown to the mat every time without obedience and in defeat lie on the mat. Listen to what he says. I do not understand what I do. And that's some of you, that's your life's verse. And you say, this must be me. Who else can this be? Uh, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Man, that's my Christian life. Uh, yeah, this describe me. You probably have had times that that was your life's verse. And so I don't, I, I, in those defeated times with temptation, it's easy to latch onto this. And it seems to describe the struggle. But he's talking about the law still. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law. And what law is he talking about? The law of Moses. The law of Moses. That's what he's talking about from 614, 615, 7, 1 through 6. He's talking about a man living under the law. I agree that the law of Moses, the law of God, I agree that it's good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. Wow, does he sound like a pre-Freudian schizophrenic? <laughs> this guy's schizo. It is no longer I myself who do it. Well, who's doing it in there? <laughs> it is sin living in me. So you tell your wife, that wasn't me. Sin did that. She said, well, I can't hit sin, so I'm going to hit you. Boom. <laughs> well, I can't help it. Sin made me do it. Well, you're still serving time. Whoever's going to jail, sin or you, you're both going. So don't, don't, in this psychological, he sees, he's standing back now, and he's watching his heart, and he says, my lands, here I am. I want to do good, but I do evil. See, you're your ego is above your heart. You're watching your heart, the realm of your decision-making. I want to do this, but I, my ego, I do that. Uh, I don't want to do that, but I do this. And then he says, who, who in the world's in charge of me anyway? I like the law. I like what it says. That really makes sense. But then I wind up doing my body and my personality follows another law, another inclination. What's going on in there? 
Hi, Mr. Sin and Adam. You mean this is what I got from my parents? A bent to sin? Yeah. Well, well, sin, don't you know this is the law of God? Obey. And sin says, no. You've got to. I do not. Well, uh, I could do an Abbott Costello thing here if I keep on. The ball was on, on first base, on second. Okay, let's see if I can get this down. And so, you're, you're, you say, I feel schizo. I need some volume. Well, this is pre-volume. Just, I, this is, I'm in conflict. I want to do the right. But this principle in there, I'll just call him Sin Jr., seems to be boxing me around. I don't seem to be in charge of my decisions. There's, there's something in there that's making a wreck out of me. Freud, well, get your super id under control. Well, id isn't my problem. I want to do some good stuff. It's that depraved junior that's loose, that's acting like the senior in my life. Who is this? I know with this principle. Look at verse 7. It is no longer I myself who's doing it. I'm not just ego in charge. There's a principle that's taking my body and my personality and it's making me do stuff that even after I've done it, I said, I didn't want to do it, but I did. Verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I would take uh, here, I would say, in my humanity, apart from God, there's nothing good in it. I would take sin here to represent in my whole being. Apart from God, nothing good comes out of it ultimately in God's sight. Uh, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Now, we've all experienced this, haven't we? Law or no law. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And so think of this when we teach this is the normal Christian life. It seems to contradict everything he says about it in 6 and 8, if this would be describing the Christian life. Now, if I do not, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now, he's described this autobiographical struggle, and I think it's more than Paul. I think it's the Jew, the sincere Jew, trying to live under the law that he said twice, we're not under it in the Christian life, but another people of God were under this law for centuries. Now, watch what he's going to do. He's now going to give you some theology in which he explains theologically what's been going on in him. Here we go. Watch. So I find this law at work. Now, this was hard when you're trying to get interpretation. He uses many laws. Here. Now he's going to, I see this principle. It's, I see a principle at work here. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And we would all say amen to that, wouldn't we? The sin principle in you doesn't say, I'm just so glad you're wanting to serve God. Keep it up. I'll be there for you. There is always in our being, uh, whether you're under the law or the Christian, a principle in the sin nature that said, 
hey, I'm never going to push you on towards God. I've always got the ability to sin. I've got to make a choice. But what? For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Now, this is where those would say this is the Christian life. They would use this argument. It is not in the being of the natural man to delight in God's law. And that is true. But I think when you see a Jew under the law, unregenerate, but still trying to please God by law keeping, I would see it applying to them as a people. They were taught to delight in God's law. Psalms 19, Psalms 119. So they had an orientation and he's describing people under law in which the only people I know that ever lived under the law was Israel. So in that category, I think it would apply. We delight in God's law. We count how many letters we write. We memorize it. At our bar mitzvah of our sons, they have to quote it. So it was great devotion to it. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Now, I believe he's doing this. My mind is in agreement with the law of God. So I'm giving mental assent. But in my members, my body, the sin principle is winning. So I'm assenting up here to what's good. But this other principle lays hold of my body, captures it, and turns it into its slave. So I'm a slave to another law. I'm a slave to the law of sin. No matter how many commandments God gives me, this law wins out. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched condition to be in. Under divine legislation, with no power to obey, and a principle in you to disobey. For living under law, apart from the saving work of Christ, and the work of the Spirit, the most self-righteous person in this room would be proven to be an utter failure. Moses himself, by divine law, is kept out of the land. And under the law, he could have been killed for being a murderer down in Egypt. David would have gone to hell just for Bathsheba and Uriah. His own law could not save him. That's, you ask, how did any Old Testament save, any Old Testament saint ever get saved? It was never by the law. It was by the scream of the lamb when its juggler was slit and their blood was poured out. Somebody's got to die because I can't obey the law. Death came. Animals, thousands on Jewish altars, gallons of blood, gallons of blood, gallons of blood, gallons of blood for a people living under the law said we've got to kill, kill, kill to remind ourselves we have fallen short of the glory of God. And finally the gospel says we've got one last lamb for all time. And the sins of the world can be born in this one sacrifice and you'll no longer need to go to the lamb corral at the temple and pick out your lamb. But somebody has got to die for the rebellious spirit that's in the bosom of every one of us. And it was Jesus Christ. 
He came to save you from the dominion of sin and break its power. He paid for its penalty and the great good news of the gospel that Romans 8 is going to tell you. He's not left you with just the law. He's left you with the Holy Spirit and he can handle the flesh. He's the only power that can handle the flesh. And so it is not to be saved to be, remain wretched. I think of uh, the whole clinical approach to addictive behavior. I'm addicted to alcohol. I'm addicted. Yeah, you're addicted to sin. Every one of us. But God didn't call it addiction in Romans 7. He called it the sin principle. Uh, you, you just keep going back and you'll see people, how do I break this habit that's killing me? How do I get a brother telling me he's been off of uh, booze and whatever for three years? And we rejoice as he shared with us. God said, but where did he set him free? At a clinic or at a rescue mission? At a rescue mission in Second McDonald, where the gospel broke his chains and set him free. Our gospel breaks the chains to every form of sin known to mankind. Christ did not atone for 85% of sins and 15% you need to see a therapist. He paid for all and the Spirit can set you free from any form of sin controlling your body. Jesus delivers. He delivers. I mean, this is our gospel. Are you picking on anyone? I, I'm not picking on as much as I'm praising the one that can deliver you. I want to get you an appointment with him. He can set you free, no matter what it is. If it's in the sin category, are you a homophobic church? Homophobic, bring them on. We've got a gospel that will embrace them, change them, cleanse them, and make them co-heirs with all of us properly heterosexuals. Does it make any difference? Because an adulterer is as bad off as a homosexual. And hear me, homosexual, if this thing goes out on the radio, we don't hate you, neither does my God. He hates sin, but the gospel of Christ included you. He can save you. Drug addict, I'm going to tell you, thousands have gone to Teen Challenge. And in the gospel, the Dave Wilkerson preached, preached to Nicky Cruz on the streets of New York City as he headed up a gang. That gospel can get you off the needle. That gospel can get you off the streets. And the good news he's saying here, he didn't save me to remain wretched. I've been set free through the work of Christ. Where's freedom in Christ. This is our gospel. And if you're a Christian over here, uh, always dabbling, always defeated, you need to change. You need to flee to Christ. Be sure it's Christ your faith is in, for he is going to break the power of every sin that held you bondage. This is the gospel. If I'm making this up, anathema to me. But it is not anathema. The gospel of Christ, I tell you, my wife and I, when we go across the country, you don't see it much anymore. We, we've done it. We've come into new towns when we used to travel some and preaching. If we came into a town and we looked up and we'd see these words, see if this, you saw this in the 50s. I'm dating myself. 50s and 60s. We'd see signs like this. Jesus saves. 
Sometimes we talk about it. And every time we see this sign, we break. Just that one document, right to that one little phrase. Let's, let's ask ourselves, in a generation that doesn't believe anything is true, nothing's absolute. There's no freedom. I can't get over the fact I was molested. I'm going to be a bitter woman all my life. I can never forgive. Yes, you can. But my daddy was a drunk. My mother was a prostitute. I can never be normal. I can never function. The sign says, Jesus saves. Saves from what? Every aspect of sin that's touched you. Either by a sinner against you or the sin you personally committed, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Saves from what? A headache? A headache. Death. Disease. Did you know eventually God's going to say no arthritis allowed up here? I got a new body for you. It saves me from a fallen body. It's going to save me from all fallen appetites. Jesus, and he's going to implement the Spirit of God in Romans 8, is going to carry out Jesus' salvation manifesto. Says, watch, you're coming under new management. Watch what I do to the sin principle. You walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And you will not be a slave. I'm going to treat you like a son, like an heir, like a victor. For we are more than conquerors through him who died for us. I've saved you to be free from the slavery of that inward sin. This is the gospel. I don't care what it is. Cigarettes. Were, my family was a cigarette smoking, puffing bunch. Man, they love to smoke. You go to our house and you thought a smokestack had been lit. And every time my dad backslid, he'd go out and buy another pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Won't be going to church for a while. We're mad. All right. You're mad. Smoke, smoke, smoke. My brother Paul started smoking at nine. He'll be in the second service. He's 73, ask him. And my dad saw him picking him up out of the gutter. He said, I don't want you putting your lips on other people's lips. I'll buy you the cigarettes. So he started smoking at nine. David started stealing them about 12. Uh, dad bought his. David gambled for his. But man, they smoked. My mother smoked. My dad smoked. And I asked my dad one time, where did you get so hooked on smoking? He said, well, when you grow up with outlaws, criminals, and Cherokee Indians, the only thing you could do for fun was spit and chew and a little white lightning. So the only pleasure we had in those hills besides work was chewing tobacco. I loved it. When I first started this church, my brother David was coming out of a drunken lifestyle, and he let me move in with him. And we were doing a men's Bible study. We studied Romans 6 at his house one night. And uh, going through that, we've been set free. We've been this and that. All that stuff is just a bunch of lies unless it's the word of God. You're free from sin. You've been joined to Christ and all of that. And I'm thinking, boy, David's barely, barely been away from Jack Daniels for two weeks. Just getting sober. And the next morning, we're going to go golfing. Well, the guy in our church is really a cranky guy, but he's a good guy. He's cranky, though, real fussy. 
And so he, he had to stop by the store to get something. I told my brother David, I said, David, do not light up in this car. This guy will throw us out. He, he can't stand the smell of smoke. This is way back when everybody smoked. I said, don't do it. I just don't want him to get mad. And we're sitting there. He said, well, didn't you know? I said, no, what? He, he said, I quit. I said, well, what was that Havana cigar I just smelled last night? That Carol and I run to our bedroom to get away from, he always smoked cigars just to torture us. When he wanted out of the house, he'd light up a cigar. It's his house. Man, it was bad. And I, I said, you, you did what? Now, this is about seven in the morning. He said, yeah, I, I quit. When? Uh, this morning. <laughs> six in the morning. You quit about anything at six in the morning. I'm barely awake. I never sin at six in the morning. I feel unconscious. Man, that's why I love to sleep. You can't sin while you sleep. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, I kind of, I, 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 I didn't want to discourage him. And he said, and he just caught me. He said, oh, I know what you're thinking. He said, I tried to quit two weeks ago, but I wanted to quit to prove to you I can quit. But I failed. I went back. Last night, Romans 6 showed me I'm free. And I'm going to stand on the fact I'm free. Now, that's been 37 years ago. I asked him while back, I said, hey, man, do you ever want to light up? He said, sure. After every evening meal, he said, if you're a smoker, a cup of coffee. And look, some of you are doodling right now. I see it. I see saliva forming. These are just a kind of, you know, first time I inhaled, I spit it up for 30 minutes. I nearly killed myself. That's why I don't smoke. <laughs> but the rest of them do it great. You, some of you, cigarettes. Ah, that's so light. I'm trying to get off a of weed. Well, I'm really not trying to get off. Can Jesus save? If you've just got law and the sin principle, you can never be free. But Jesus came and he said, matter of fact, what Paul does, he breaks out in thanksgiving. He can't hold his argument. And many scholars believe that he just interjects in this because he goes back. Watch what he does. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me? Just a moment, let me give thanks. God can deliver me through Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. Jesus Christ can deliver. Wait, wait, Paul, you haven't finished. Get back to your argument. Okay. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. There's a part in me that gives mental assent to what's right. I, a man, God's law. But in my sin nature... I'm a slave. I'm a slave to sin. I'm a slave to the law of sin. Now, let me just read ahead since we're going to start our outreach conference next week. I just want to give you enough to hold you off and then I'm done because I'm over time by two minutes. Let me just read it. Therefore, now there's no condemnation for those that are under the law. Where are they? Ah, where are you folks? Under the law or in Christ? So far, so good. And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series is called The Life of the Righteous. A look at Romans chapters 6 and 7 as we continue our greater survey through this marvelous book. 
Copies of the broadcast or the entire series today's message was taken from can be obtained from us by simply calling or stopping by our website. You can even write to us if you wish. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. As mentioned, you're also welcome to stop by our website. We have other resource materials available along with this series we're currently in the middle of. It's all found at valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. Other information about who we are and what we believe can be found there as well. And consider this a personal invitation to join us for worship Sundays here at Valley Bible Church. Directions and details, again, can be found at our website, valleybible.org. If you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Another reason for you to contact us either by phone or by mail or stopping by our website, and that is to become a TFT sustainer. And a TFT sustainer, simply put, is somebody who comes alongside of us financially and prayerfully saying, yes, I'd like to partner with you as you continue to spread the gospel through the greater Bay Area. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. We want to partner with you as we continue the ministry of the gospel here on this station. As a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift, and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil. It's our weekly devotional video. Again, call us at 855-833-9864 and let us know that you'll become a partner of the ministry here at Truth For Today. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Thank you.